Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 94 of the Galen Trombley Show. Um, I have Scott Beebe in um, today, and Scott is running for the city of mayor, or the city, the mayor of the city of Plattsburgh, the city of mayor, the mayor um, in the city of Plattsburgh. And so I guess, Scott, for people who do not know you, give us kind of a little background, how you got to 2020. I know we just talked a little bit before we got on, but kind of give us your background um, from start to finish, you know, probably over the last handful last you know, 20 years right 25 years old something like that right <laughs> you, you don't you don't look when you told me your age you didn't look that old so i wasn't sure but go go ahead well you keep telling people that you're gonna have to travel with me because I, I appreciate i will pump you up yeah that's good <laughs> um first of all thank you for having me on i much appreciate it uh first podcast so uh awesome experience so a little bit about myself uh, i come from a established family here in Clinton County. Uh, I'll go all the way back to my great-grandparents. My family actually emigrated down through Canada to settle in the Moors. My great-grandparents had six boys, and most of them procreated. So my grandparents ended up settling in the city of Plattsburgh on Canoe Street. I had two sets of grandparents, both one uh, in Elm Street, one on Riverside Avenue. My parents are still here. They live in the city of Plattsburgh. I've been here virtually all my life. So we have a, a very long, rich family connection to Clinton County and the Plattsburgh area. Um, I started with the Plattsburgh City Police Department in September of 1989. I was a very young 21-year-old thinking he knew everything about the world. Very quickly discovered I did not. I had spent 28 years with the City of Plattsburgh Police Department, my last 11 years as a lieutenant which is a managerial position. I was in charge of all three divisions in the building. There's administrative, investigative, and patrol. I actually ran each division at some point in those 11 years. I also spent 15 years with the District 3 Fire Department. I started in 1988. The reason I went to the fire department was to build a background for law enforcement. It took me about a minute and a half to fall in love with it. Spent 15 years with some incredibly dedicated individuals. Uh, again, I was able to rise to a leadership position. I was president of the firefighters for many years and I also spent three years as assistant chief um, going through to this point I now work as a court security officer I retired in 2017 during that time from then till now I've coached at the Plattsburgh uh, City School District three three different sports over a course of 16 seasons oh wow which was sports uh, soccer softball and bowling i refereed at cvac and some college uh 20 years of basketball i did nine years of hockey i did a little little uh, a little bit of little league i did 12 excuse me 12 years of soccer as, a, as an official uh, i worked with the city recreation department uh, as an official and i ran their official program for a couple years with their youth soccer program i've coached and been a mentor and taught young people all the way up through college. I guest lectured at the Clinton Community College. I guest lectured at the university. I've guest lectured at uh, 
CV Tech and their CJA program. One of the things I, I really love is teaching. I love teaching. I love instructing. I love standing up in front of students. I love having educational opportunities and exchange information. And it's, it's awesome for me to see the process and have the buy-in and work with young people. And um, I did, I think, 16 or 17 sessions at the Plattsburgh City Police Department. We, we hosted our own academy. So I was a co-director of the Zone 9 Police Academy for many, many years. And uh, it, it was a wonderful opportunity. And, and that's kind of a microcosm of where I'm at is teacher, mentor, coach, uh, civil servant. So what did you play in uh, school, sports-wise? Soccer was my, f- my best and favorite sport. I also played basketball and I played uh, baseball. It's a three-sport in high school. I played one season of soccer at Clinton Community. I played one season of basketball at Clinton Community. And then I went to officiating. Um, like I, I coach, I played soccer and I played all the, like a bunch of sports growing up, but then I coached for eight years. So it's like for you to go from a player and then, um, I never did the officiating, but you see the officials and, and as you coach and stuff, you get to know a lot of the guys, you know, and they're all great guys. And, you know, like I said, the officiating, I think it's kind of a thankless job, but it's a very important job. Um, but it's kind of cool seeing being on the other side of the line kind of thing, or being on the side of the, you know, the sidelines when you're, at least from a coaching perspective, it was an eye opener for me because I started at 20 at 19 or 20 as like an assistant. And then I started doing like, it was JV soccer, but you still have like basically high school, mm-hmm. um, ninth and 10th graders. And that was my, my first like real introduction to like sitting and talking in front of people. So like you want a public speaking course, go coach a bunch of kids. And now you're like, everybody's looking at you and like, okay, I got to understand what I'm doing here. And, you know, kind of like Again, just kind of putting your feet up to the fire and saying, okay, go ahead and uh, good luck. But um, so is sports a big thing in your life, obviously, with coaching and, and refing all that? Yes, it is a very important part of my life and, I'll, and for multiple reasons. One, I've developed lifelong relationships with people relating around athletics, either being a competitor or, or an official or a coach. And it, it's a shared common bond and, and I just love the fact it's not the competition and winning and losing it's the participation it, it's it, it's being part of a team better than yourself trying to work cohesively with a unit and I, I just I just enjoy it so much and I will tell you this I wish I would have been an official before I was a coach because I would have been a much better coach uh, instead of the other way around yeah. when I first started coaching I was a young man like yourself and I was not the best uh best friend of the officials and I thought that's how it should be and then when I turned and I went to the down the road of officiating I realized how terrible of a a coach I was uh, realizing that and I I really maintained that if I refereed before coaching I would have been a much better and efficient coach I I, one of the things I always thought about when coaching because I again I played in or I've coached in a bunch of games where the other coach is going crazy and stuff like that Again, you know all the officials. I always looked at it like if I'm not going to – I've never seen – and again, maybe I'm wrong. I've never seen a call be changed because the guy yelled at the official. It's never happened. So I said – I've always thought in my head, I said, I can yell at this guy, but it's not going to get – it's not going to change the call, so I'm not going to get what I want. And the only thing I'm going to do is keep driving our team worse and worse because they're not going to give us calls or make – or make do – I mean, we all know there's makeup calls in sports. It's like all these things. It's like just I, – I did a very good job of just kind of – keeping my mouth shut, knowing that wasn't the right call, but I'm not going to get all over the official. We'll be fine. And then it always came back. And I actually had a lot of officials compliment, especially in the games when you're like a, you know, a really tough game. They appreciate not being yelled at or, you know, getting on the kids when they're yelling at the official. Like, no, 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 we're not yelling at the official. Like, 
you missed the shot. It wasn't because some kid like tripped you. Like you're fine, you know. So because at the end of the day, I always thought it was funny when people blame the officials for for like again soccer. It's like you just played 80 minutes of soccer and you scored less goals than the other team and you played. It was like the official had a couple calls throughout the game, but I said you had a lot more ability to change the outcome of the game over the official. It wasn't the official's fault. And I remember telling kids that all the time. I'm like, score score more goals. Like that's how you can win a game. You'll make up any you'll get over any missed call. And you're hundred percent right. And the older, the more mature I became, because we don't get old, we just mature. <laughs> the more mature I became. Uh, the more interaction I, I allowed myself to have with the student athletes. And when I started officiating hockey, I did 20 seasons of basketball and um, I was asked to start in the hockey realm and I just gotten out of it. And when you get to a point where you hear things and it bothers you as an official, you really need to take a step back. You really need to be focused on what's in front of you and that's what, not what's being said behind you. And I'm like, uh, I really couple of my friends like you got to do this you have to do this okay so I got into youth hockey and I absolutely fell in love with it and the best thing that happened to me was I had so much experience prior to getting there because you develop a mechanism of communication with the coaches and the players and it's conflict resolution which I had an abundance of as in my profession but you bring that with you and I always love seeing the little people, you know, the, the little dudes and dudettes and mm-hmm. they're, and they'd wear their goalie pads and they're so big and they can't stand up and they're, they're trying to do the best thing. And, you know, they're eight, nine, 10 years old. And all of a sudden the shot comes in and he reaches his glove out and he catches it. Mm-hmm. And I blow the whistle and I go over and I go, how'd that feel? And you look up and there's nothing but chicklets. He's smiling. And he's so happy. That's what it's all about is the sense of accomplishment, the sense of team. When we get older and the competition part gets in. That's that's when things kind of change a little bit. But I, I miss it so much. I I, uh, I had to retire a couple years ago, but I, I just miss being a part of that. And uh, it the, the hockey part of it really allows you to interact. And you're right, there are times just made of calls. But the measure of an official isn't the calls he makes or misses. It's when he blows it and he goes, yep, that one's on me. Mm-hmm. I blew it. Yeah, and you know when you come off the ice, the pitch, the court, whatever mechanism it is, you know if you've done a good job. Mm-hmm. You absolutely know as an official. Yep, I was on it tonight. Or you walk up, go, "Oh my god, I was terrible." You know. Yeah, they have and, off nights. It's, yeah. yeah, and the measure of that person is when they're willing to admit it, and they'll go up or skate up to you, and they'll kind of go, "Okay, yeah, next one's on me," and they get it. And it's a give and take. It's a communicative thing, and it just kind of works into everything that that I believe in right now especially the communication part um so obviously being like a lifelong plattsburgh resident um you know working in the city and and kind of really having your roots here so now you're going into is this your this is your first time running for some type of political office or like i don't want to say leadership because you were in um obviously had leadership roles within the the city but uh the police department but i mean is this your first time going into some type of elective office or government position or I mean, have you been on anything like that before, whether it be councils or whether it be? I have not run for any type of political office. I've held executive committee uh, positions and uh, within my, like the officials, basketball officials, I was president and uh, I was on St. Peter's Education Council, you know, that type of stuff. But I've never actually run for a political office. This is my first uh, endeavor, if you will. Are you, are you like a, do you follow politics a lot or is this, because I mean, it's, it's local politics, which again, you're talking 
you know, I, I love local politics because you, I think you can make a lot of big difference. You know, when we watch, you know, the, the political debates and stuff and it's more of a circus than anything. And then you come down to the local level and the local level to me, is like a lot of people tr really trying to do good for their neighbors because you can't do it on the national level. It's impossible. You can't scale it, but at the local level you can. So do you find, um, going into, are, are, again, are you kind of, have you been big into politics or is this just kind of one where you're like, I'm not really into politics, but I do want to lead an area. Um, my interest started, the city of Plattsburgh had an election uh, a few years back where all six council members and the mayor were up for election at the same time. Now picture this for a minute. I was, in, I was on the police department, I was lieutenant, and at that point I believe there was only three of us. I think there was only a chief lieutenant and a captain. Um, and we may have had another lieutenant right around that same time frame, but the entire council and mayor were running for election at the same time. So picture this for a minute. Was that 2008 or 12? It, it was... I remember this because there was a gazillion signs out there. Right. Yeah. It, can you imagine... There's so many wards and stuff. Right. Yeah. It, can you imagine the entire slate fresh with rookies? And, and I thought about this. I went, uh, this, this could be okay, could not be okay. Turned out it was absolutely fine. And the men and women who were elected decided we can't have this ever again. And I thought that was a good decision. So they've staggered like two council members uh, every year, and it's three-year terms with the mayor's four-year term. So that was my first interest. I do not speak national politics. I do not. I, I do not get involved in national. I want nothing to do with national politics. I, since January, when I first decided that we were going to do this, nothing. I want nothing to do with national politics. There's nothing good that can happen to me with national politics. I did not watch the debate. I am not involved in it whatsoever. The only state level issue that I will speak of prior to COVID was the Bail Reform Act. 30 years in law enforcement, I think I'm qualified to speak to that. But COVID is now number two and with COVID comes a budget crunch. Other than that, I wanna be focused here. The old 12901 slash three is my total focus. That's all I wanna look at. The only, my only priority is the mayor's seat. I have no intentions of going anywhere else. My entire focus is this community, changing the direction, building a positive future, not only for my children, but for everybody's children. And I believe with my years of service and experience, which amount to my entire adult life, uh, I, I think I'm in a position to do that. Uh, I don't want nothing to do with any national scene. So, so what is, then again, kind of, kind of, you're running for mayor. Like, what is the reasons? Why are we running for mayor? Like, what, what, what is the, you know, where's the problems of Plattsburgh that we can identify that are, hey, these, these are some things we're lacking behind, or here's some, you know, and these are some of the main, say, I guess, issues, problems, you know, things that we have to change that you think would make the biggest difference or change the biggest direction for Plattsburgh. Well, first of all, one of the reasons why I'm running is I'm confident I can do a better job than what's going on right now. We need to change our narrative. And there's so many different issues that we need to focus on. Right now, the pandemic is obviously the top of the priority list. And we have an approach. We've had an approach since January, and our approach has a bunch of priorities. And we're not numbering them one above the other. We just know that there's a, a list of priorities that we're focusing on. One of our priorities is uh, basically becoming better in relationships with our municipal partners. We need to recreate our relationship with the town of Plattsburgh. We need to w recreate our relationship with the city, school district, our employees. 
We need to work more cohesively with the Clinton County Legislature and the Chamber. Our partnerships with our regional partners around us is how we're going to survive. We need to create a regional approach. And I've said this since January, early part of February, before my opponent even came into the race. We need to create a regional approach for Plattsburgh to survive. It's not the city. It's not the town. It's the region of Plattsburgh. If we don't coalesce and work on our mutual problems, we're not going to survive. This is a global pandemic with the border closed. How many millions of dollars aren't allowed to come down? So now we have to refocus. How do we do that? Well, we need a way to find, excuse me, a need to find a way to generate revenue. Well, we need to work together to do that. We need to accentuate our positives. We have a beautiful natural resource that we're not taking advantage of, which is the Lake Champlain. It's right there. It's gorgeous. Our waterway through the city, they just approved the Saranac River Trail phase two, thank God. I was very hope, very hopeful they were going to do that. But that's an aesthetic part of our city that's going to help us accentuate one of those positives. We, need, we can't go north because the border's closed, so we need to promote south. We need to get a destination point. We need uh, basically a cheerleader to help bring people here to allow them to see what we have, how beautiful we are. We are in a perfect position. Think about this for a second. We are 45 minutes from Burlington, Montreal, Lake Placid, Malone, in the middle of the Adirondacks with hundreds of miles of trails, with campsites and beauty beyond belief. How many lakes, streams, ponds that we have around us? And yet people drive through us to go somewhere else. We need to change that philosophy. We need to work together regionally to develop our waterfront. And we start at the water and we push inland. That's how you develop from the waterfront. It's not the other way around. So these are all priorities that we have. And we can't do that if we're at each other's throats. We need to sit down, establish or reestablish positive relationships with our municipal partners. There's two people that I sat with before I even announced my candidacy with for mayor. One was Mr. LeBrun, who is the superintendent of Plattsburgh City School District, and one was Mr. Cashman. I sat and had meetings with these two gentlemen before I even stood at the podium and announced that I wanted to be mayor because I know how important it is to reconnect and make that relationship positive instead of negative. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, Cashman. I, I love Mike. He's a great guy. And, um, do, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm sure you've, he's talked to you at length already and I'm sure, you know, going into potentially like, obviously if you win, that would be, you know, the city and town over the last handful of years hasn't been very amicable. They've had some, you know, just some some stuff's good, some stuff's bad at odds here and there. But um, I would think I'm a very big pro Mike Cashman fan. I just think he's doing so much good stuff and he's very, you know, involved in the area. And I think he puts his heart and soul into, you know, the North Country. Um, what is some of the stuff that they're, I mean, have you guys talked about anything that could be potentially a merger? I say a merger, but working together uh, between the two, you know, between the town, between the city. Yeah, there's uh, several issues that we've talked about, and he's already committed to future, excuse me, future discussions. Uh, one is the development of the beach waterfront area. And I propose that we would sit down, and it, that's a five-person conversation. That's a, not a city-town mm-hmm. conversation. That's a five-entity conversation over a course of time we have an opportunity because we have beautiful freshwater sandy beach shoreline from Cumberland head where the town excuse me where the state park is all the way through skimotion creek it's gorgeous 
completely underutilized. And there's a lot of property there. So another thing we would like to look at, and we've talked about, there's a, a water issue, Hammond Lane and Ruger Street with infrastructure. We could take a look at the joint properties. We also have litigations we need to sit down and talk about and see if we can resolve those amicably because we're spending way too much money on lawsuits. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're spending way too much money. on We should be shaking hands and not suing each other. Um, that, which is also one of our priorities is to start looking at these litigations and, and how we could solve some of them without, you know, spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, there's also, uh, health insurance prescription plans and opportunities between our workforces we can explore. Uh, there's also a, a traffic infrastructure, uh, Ruger street. We can explore. There's a smart corridor option, uh, that the town has a plan for development, uh, down route three. And, you know, we have an option now if we join in that plan, whatever that may look like down the road, maybe that can progress down route three into the city. So we have an opportunity to have a joint, uh, mechanism there to help promote both sides. The town has a beautiful commercial corridor. And I just took a, uh, Mr. Cashman gave a presentation about their smart development plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he actually said that there's a section of Route 3 that sees more vehicle traffic than Wolf Road and Albany. Yeah. And that that really resonated with me. I'm like, we have to explore. Consumer, you're talking about Consumer Square right there. Correct. Yeah. Well, the problem is the city line's about 200 yards further down. Mm-hmm. And we need to develop a joint mechanism where we can benefit from that traffic. And we've talked about that. So I think there's plenty of options that we could look at and an opportunity for us to work together. It just takes the right people in the right positions to get it done. So um, to kind of piggyback off that, one of the cool things, I drive by it every single day. You have a billboard on Route 3, and the, which is good. I, I know people like always laugh and they're on the, on the billboard. Trust me, like people like mention me and I'm all over like different things on, on social media and online. But I, I look at it and I think the message is great. It's not the city, it's the town, it's the region, it's the county, it's the county and the region. Um, but I think that's a powerful statement in the sense that we're, you know, even though Clinton County at the end of the day is, is the North country, Seattle on that coast, it, it is all those, the city is, I believe, again, the heart and soul of the county. It's the county C, it's where everything kind of generates out of, which is the town and everything else. I grew up in Chase Everybody went to Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh had the most things that you could do was in Plattsburgh. And I look at like a sign like that. I think like it's so positive that even though this, you know, that's a town of Plattsburgh sign, it is a good town, but it's kind of cool seeing that driving in because I'm like, that's exactly what our town needs and our city needs. I mean, we need all this cohesive energy. And we talked about this before we got on about how many people can. I always call it a rising tide raises all ships. How many people can row in the same direction, do the right thing, and try to make things better? And get everybody in the community better. And that's going to eventually, if the city gets better, it's better for the town. If the town gets better, it's better for the city and vice versa. And it kind of just trickles out to every other place that we can. And even out of the region, you know, and that's, if we have that strong corridor, because like you said, we, we in theory are like the north, south, east, west, we're right in the middle of everything. And that's one thing I love about the area is that you can go in an hour, take a trip and you can hit some, you can hit a major international city and all these other places. And I think that we get enough traction from i mean not right now but the north you know canada and everywhere else that plattsburgh is becoming a hub and i'm we talked about i'm so bullish on plattsburgh and you know stuff from the the chambers doing and it's kind of one that everything is doing all this and then the city of plattsburgh just seems like it's like just spinning its tires and not doing much so one of the big things kind of being in real estate 
we hear taxes, taxes. I mean, in my world, the city of Plattsburgh taxes, like keep people from moving to the city. And I, I guess the idea of it is if people are paying all the, the most taxes that you're going to pay in Clinton County is in the city, but what are you getting for the taxes? And then how do you kind of look at from an economic standpoint of, you know, how do you, instead of increasing taxes, you can't just keep increasing taxes, but it's like, where, where are we generating the revenue? Cause you talked about that. How do we raise revenue? How do we increase the amount of money that we create? Obviously you have the bass fishing tournament, which is a big, you know, um, I know it's a, a pretty good economic driver for the city, but what are other plans that you think that we have or opportunities that we have to just, I mean, raise money and not necessarily just take it from the city and the inner city with the residents and taxes? Well, I'm a fiscal conservative. So I, I come into this with an idea that we've cut everything we could possibly cut to the point where we have no recreation department. One of the priorities I mentioned earlier is quality of life. We need to increase a, a reason for people to be here. And if you allow me to tell you a quick story, I was doing a meet the candidate at Norma J's a couple weeks back. Side note, Norma is going to be closing her restaurant soon. And it really broke my heart when she told me Sunday that she's closing because it's just a, another victim of, the, of this COVID crisis. And, you know, she did her best that she could, but she just can't, you know, continue. And it, it's unfortunate that that's happening more and more and more. And, and I want to wish her the very best. And, and I wish she didn't have to, but I understand her, uh, the, the situation that she's in. So I'm standing in her restaurant and this couple comes in and I walk up to their table and I said, hi, you know, do you live here in the city? She goes, no, we're from, you know, Westchester. I go, oh, why are you here? She goes, golf. I said, oh, you want to talk about golf? She goes, no. And I kind of laughed. I said, you're perfect. Let me ask you a question. What's good and what's bad about Plattsburgh? What brought you here? And she says, nobody knows you're here. She goes, we come from Westchester. Nobody knows you're here. They don't know anything about you. They don't know what's good or bad. They think you're just a bathroom break on the way to Montreal. And I looked at her and I just went, thank you very much. Because it made my point that I've been saying for eight months. We need to promote ourselves better. And here's when I say we have an opportunity to build better after the pandemic. And this is what I mean. Two different times I've been told from people who come up from down south that say, we have no idea what, what you have. We have no idea what's here. Well, without the Canadian border, where's our influx of sales tax revenue? What, who's coming here without our Canadian border? Mr. Douglas has done a fantastic job of promoting us kind of like a suburb of Montreal. And we have a huge influx of our Canadian neighbors come down and they patronize us and they go to our restaurants and they fill our marinas and it's great that we have that resource until COVID struck. Now where's that resource coming? It's gonna force us to rethink what we have. We start promoting ourselves down south, Albany, Rensselaer, Poughkeepsie, New York City, Long Island, and start drawing those people north because they wanna to leave too. As a real estate person, you must know that the out-of-market people coming up here wanting to get out of the city has grown. So this is a perfect opportunity for us to build better. If we start promoting ourselves and working together and pushing our information down so people are now coming north instead of south, what happens when that border opens up? Now we have two sources. Now we have to look at extending our quality of life issues, our recreation. We have no recreation. Our, all of our buildings are closed, covid notwithstanding. The current administration hasn't invested any money in our gymnasium or the Crate Center or the uh, Champlain Valley Transportation Museum. Four of those buildings are literally crumbling. 
which broke my heart when I took that tour. But we have the most historic region in New York State. We have two battle sites here on this lake. Benedict Arnold fought a naval battle right there. Matt yesterday, I've done it. The, yeah. the, the ghost tour guy. It's, yeah. it, it's amazing what we have that we're not taking advantage of. And this goes back to an original point. How do we generate revenue? We bring people here. Why do we bring people here? Because they have something to do. What do they do? Well, let's increase our historical value. Let's have reenactments on the Oval. Let's have concerts. Let's increase our cultural infrastructure downtown. Let's increase our arts. My kids had a lovely experience when they were part of the, the music and drama program at Plattsburgh High School. My daughter, who is extremely talented, and I don't know where that came from, <laughs> Um, she sang in the Molson Center with Andre Ryum in front of thousands of people with the PHS Select Group. She also sang in Quincy Market with the PHS Group. My son, same group, different time, sang with Foreigner at the Flynn Theater. These are experiences that they carry with them forever. So why don't we accentuate our positives? Let's work with the Strand. Let's work and have concerts on the lawn in the Oval on Sunday mornings after church. Have people come out and sit down. What we can have movies out there. We can have food trains. We have chowder fests. We can have winter. We all we need is somebody to point us in a direction, other than what we're going to now. I didn't even think about it. actually. That's a good thing. The oval. If you take a stage like that one right there and drop it in the oval and get some concerts going, that'd be pretty cool. It, I, I never even thought about yeah, that. Concerts yeah. on the lawn. I mean, yeah. there's a gazebo there. You have a built-in base. Mm-hmm. It hopefully the weather. I mean, the weather this summer's been amazing. Yeah, and we couldn't get anybody here, but. Sit down, have bands, orchestras, have the high school groups come out. You know, in the, at the holiday season time, Sandra Geddes and I actually created the holiday parade, uh, starting the parade route, and you know, I've, we worked on it together, mm-hmm. just like we did for Fourth of July. We did the parade route, the parade route that they use today. We organized, we put it together, and it's still being used today. Mayor's Cup, Battle of Plattsburgh, Rock Eater, uh, Half Marathon, Biggest Loser. I was on all those committees. The half marathon, I was on the inaugural committee. All of these special events I've been working with for years, either as a police officer working the event or a police manager organizing and staffing the events. Yeah, and those, those are all big events. I mean, from a Plattsburgh, from a, the city standpoint, like those are, reg- I'd say, regional events hosted and, in Plattsburgh. Right, yeah. and we are not accentuating our positives there. So, obviously, like, we kind of go down, um, you know, in a sense of like we, we've, What's like Plattsburgh's biggest biggest advantage right now? Like you said, is probably geographically. But what are the other ones that really like d- jump out to you from like what's our biggest advantage that Plattsburgh has, or some of the biggest advantages? I think the, some of the biggest advantages we look at our lake and our waterfront, uh, undeveloped, gorgeous. We we don't have enough to do. We don't have any boat tours. You know, we don't have any boat rentals. We don't have jet ski rentals. If you go down to Lake George, you can't even access the water publicly. You have to pay somebody to get on. How many boat launches can we see from here? You go from Point of Rush through us down to Peru. Mm -hmm. You have four mechanisms to get on our lake for free. You're seated in the heart of the Adirondack Mountains with all the trails and amenities. You have the Saranac River. You're 45 minutes from all the hubs. And we have a history that is amazing right here. How, how do we get people to come here? Well, we tell them what we have when they get here. And right now, this is one of the most beautiful times of the year for us. What was I was just talking about yesterday when we had Matt Boyer. He's the tour director for the Adirondack Ghost Tour. And mm-hmm. I mean, even someone like that that just started this own little thing about 10 years ago. I mean, he was telling me the amount of people that they, they come to these events. And he said they have like, 
Now, from a Facebook standpoint, he's got like 30,000 people that follow him because we got people from all over the state and the region, and he's talking like hours away that come up to the tours. He goes, there's plenty of times I've had people that come up and say, hey, we were from Glens Falls. We heard about you, drove up to have dinner, watch one of your tours at seven and, and go home or home by you know, 10, 30, 11. Mm-hmm. And he said that those were kind of, those are the ones that really stick out. I mean, he obviously loves all the local people, but he goes, it's so cool when people want to come up and visit us. He goes, because we have so much history up here. And I mean, he's just a, a small part of it, but I mean, the stuff that he's doing, I'd like to see more of that in people's, put whatever their spin is, like I said, whether it's the arts, whether it's music or, or sporting events or something like that. But I think it's, it's cool that you have a local guy that just kind of on a whim said, I like telling ghost stories and I like telling, I love the history and I can merge it together and we can make this really cool story and have people walk through in the, you know, at night with a lantern and he's dressed up like an Abraham Lincoln lookalike, <laughs> even though he says not Abraham Lincoln, it's just a man of the times. Yeah. But he, uh, but just stuff like that, I think is cool when you talk about like a revenue standpoint and be, getting people to come in and whether they come up purposely and spend the night and then go back, whatever. I think it's kind of cool. I'm hoping more people like, I don't know, I mean, not history, maybe not, um, but yeah, I think the arts is, is here. People, because it's a talented region. There's a lot of cool things oh going my, on. My goodness, and uh, I mean, just like your daughter singing, or you know, the there's so many people that are here that are great, and that's that's what I always look at. That's frustrating because I'm like, man, it's Plattsburgh. I said it before, it's like we're ready for that reset button, and I think 2020 is bringing that on. And obviously, you take office if you win what J- january 1st right it starts first january year first yes yeah so i mean you really go in it's like 2021 it's like the perfect t- time for someone to like there's so many people that want to forget 2020 and like you hit that reset button and it's like okay one one twenty one we're ready to go, get going so what would your first day in office be so scott Beebe wins november 3rd right november yes. 3rd and then you you, know, you got about two months what's your first day in office look like uh, take the oath off, take the oath of office, sit down, and then get settled in. The first day that the employees are in the building, my goal is to visit every office and department in the city and thank the employees personally. We lose sight of the fact that the city maintains itself because of the people associated with our workforce. These are talented, dedicated people. And I got to tell you, morale's a little low right now. And they, they've been put through the ringer this year. And it's time we recognize and appreciate their efforts. Some of these people have been asked to do so much with so little. For us to survive, we need to acknowledge their efforts. How Being um, a candidate for mayor, like how many, how much, you obviously know a lot of people that work at the city. You one, know, or, one or two. Yeah, I mean, just like you're living in the city, you know these people. So it's like you, you can have conversations with these people here and sure. there. And you you know you know the struggles they're going through. It's not – that's one of the beauties of a small town. Um, but with all that happening, like what is kind of, I guess, the biggest frustrating thing? Is it just the lack of resources? Is it the lack of, like you said, maybe appreciation? Is it – I mean, probably a mixture? Well, most recently, um, one of the – I don't make any campaign promises. I, that's just not who I am. Say one. My promise when I, when I take the office on the 1st of January is to bring back respect, dignity, and humanity to the office. We need to start treating people better. We need to start acknowledging the efforts and the people for whom they are and what they do. We're not numbers on a spreadsheet. We're not disposable. When the 62 positions came up, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, with this story, there were 62 positions either laid off or furloughed. And it happened 
in a meeting. Now, this was not on the agenda. It was There was no warning. Nobody had any discussions. And we were watching the meeting because I watch all the meetings. Um, sometimes some of the meetings are a little long, but I try to watch every single one. And I, I'm pretty successful at doing it because I make time for it. And as we're watching the meeting in real time, 62 positions were either cut, laid off, or furloughed. And I couldn't believe it. Full disclosure, my wife was one of them. So I turned around, I looked at her, I said, honey, you just lost your job. She's like, what? I said, you just lost your job. And she came and she started watching a TV with me and she had no warning wow. whatsoever. She had no concept that this was going to happen. And then she got a call from her union rep and then she got a call from her department head. Neither of them knew this was going to happen. Matter of fact, if you watch the meeting in real time, the corporate counsel's name was on that list. He didn't know the list existed. And then after they told him that he was on that list, they asked him a question, which he's like, I can't answer that. Oh, wow. So that's when, that's the perfect example of what I tell you, bring back respecting teen humanity. Now, the county had the same issues. Now, we all understand this is COVID. We were incredibly strapped financially. And I'm not saying the decisions to have furloughs was inappropriate. The process and how it occurred could have been so much better. The county had multiple discussions with department heads, with their unions over several weeks, and then they asked for volunteers. And they got, I think, 110 volunteers. No. My sister being one of them. You know what she tells me? She goes, I want to do my part to help out. So I took a furlough. That's what she says. So now you have the two dynamics. We have the employees who are completely blindsided, angry, upset, anxious. This happens spontaneously. They have no idea what's going on. Versus the employees going, listen, count me in. I'll help out any way I can. That's the difference, is the mechanism for which you do business. So we have to bring back that humanity to the office, and you have to bring a set of customer service values. People matter. We don't need people walking into an office, let's say community development, asking for help and being told, well, go, go call your realtor. That's, that's where you're going to find your information. No. When they walk in your office, you sit them down and you help them. You take the 15 minutes out of your day and let them leave feeling a sense of accomplished and serviced. And that, that's what's important. That's what we need to bring back to the office starting day one. Yeah, so one of the things that I've heard, and again, I'm not like, you know, I, I don't deal a lot with City Hall, and, and but what I've heard consensusly from a lot of people is that there's a lack of transparency. It seems very kind of like closed off. It seems like there's not a... Like you said, probably not a happy place to work for a lot of people right mm -hmm. now. Um, like, what's is there a transparency problem, and is that something that there is? Like, what's your? How do you plan to fix that and communicate more again with the community? The answer is yes. There is a transparency problem. Now, if you talk to people on the council or the mayor, they'll say we're the most transparent municipality. We're on Facebook or YouTube, rather, and we're on YouTube, and you can see us. And I, that's great. And uh, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. How, and you can watch your own media. I'm not saying anything that you cannot fact verify by your own research on YouTube. You can go to a meeting and they'll go through the process. They have a, usually a committee meeting first, once a month, depending on what it is. It's finance, infrastructure, public safety, whatever it is. Then they have a work session and then they have the regular session. Well, during the committee meetings, they will adopt uh, resolutions to put on the actual agenda through committee, which is fine. Now, there's been a more than one occasion where they like, well, I have a resolution to present for the regular 
meeting, but I will read it under new business. Okay, so that means it's not on the agenda. So nobody knows it's coming. So the agenda's out, meeting's in progress. The, the council may have gotten an email 10 or 15 minutes before, nobody else has. And now the resolution's being read under new business in the regular meeting. And some of these resolutions are high button topics. And they'll read it, they're like, well, this is important, we need to, we need to act right now. They'll vote on what's called rule four, which is suspending the time frame and they'll vote on it in real time. So they'll present it, vote on it, pass it in 15 minutes, and nobody knew it was happening. Nobody had a, a precursor, nobody knew it was gonna be there, it's not on the agenda. Yeah, we can watch you doing it, we can see what's going on. That doesn't mean you are transparent in what you're doing. One of the things we have to get back to, the philosophy that I'm absolutely convinced is the best way to go, is including the community. And if you had a flow chart in the city of Plattsburgh, and, and I've said this a lot, and, and I truly mean this, flow chart of the city of Plattsburgh, the very top box, okay? It doesn't say mayor, it doesn't say council. It should say citizen, people, community, right at the top, because we work at their behest. The reason we are working in public service is for our community. It's not what's best for me. It's what's best for the building. What's best for the building is best for the community. I brought that philosophy with me from the police department. I truly believe that. It's not what's best for BB sitting in a chair. It's what's best for the community around. And if we don't adopt that philosophy, we're going to continue to mistreat our people in a way that's not best for them. I have no intentions of doing anything else other than the, what's very best for my community. And the mayor seat is the only seat I'm ever going to attempt to obtain. That's my goal. So why not do the best job I can for the people who put me there? And the first thing you do is you listen. You be an active listener. You take the barriers away for effective communication, listen to what they have to tell you, and proceed in a positive direction. So how, how do you take leadership role from the police department? How does that transition into the leadership role of a, of a municipality? Great question. Uh, I'll tell you how I did it at the police department. When I first made lieutenant in the uniform division, I was lieutenant and admin, which is administrative. That's purchasing, building and grounds, uh, vehicle maintenance, uh, quartermaster. And then after, I think it was, it wasn't quite two years. I went to station commander and then I went to uh, division commander under the uniform division. And I brought all, I had eight supervisors working for me directly under my umbrella. And anybody who wore a uniform, including the dispatchers, parking, juvenile, uh, plastic housing, they all worked under my umbrella, plus or minus 40 people over the course of seven or eight years. So here I am, dedicated people underneath me. I'm like, how am I going to do this? I walk in, sit them at a table. There's nine of us. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to treat this like a baseball team. I'm a manager. You guys are my field coaches. I want your input. I want your ideas. I want you to talk to me about issues. I re reserve the right to final decision, but I want to hear from you. Now, there's times in emergency services where you're actively involved in an emergency and you need to do what I tell you. But for the most part, we have time. We have time to sit down and discuss and come up with ideas that are beneficial. You put nine dedicated, motivated, smart people in a room and you pose a problem, you're going to get some pretty good ideas and results versus the same problem with me sitting there by myself. Mm -hmm. yep. So I'm going to bring that philosophy to City Hall. You want to know why? Because we have intelligent, dedicated, professional department heads who've been doing this a long time. They are experts in what they do. I am not an expert 
in Department of Public Works. I'm not an expert in finance. These men and women are. I'm going to sit down with the same philosophy. All I have to do is manage the department heads. The department heads manage their people, and I'm going to let them lead. That's first and foremost. We're going to take out the barriers for effective communication, and we're going to let these men and women lead their people. That's what we pay them for. That's what they're best at, and I'm going to listen to what they have to tell me. So the way what you just described is kind of how I run I run this, and I basically run my life. It's that I always joke. I, I, so the guy that does my uh, uh, my financial planner and my accountant, they, they probably laugh when I say this, but I'm like, like, so what do you want to do? I'm like, what should I do? Like, you tell me. I, I'm pay- this. I'm paying you because you're smarter than me at this, <laughs> and I don't want to think about it because I'm not very bright. I'm bright at what I know. I'm not bright in all these other things. So it's like I'm going to default to you guys because I put the trust in you. What you just said, basically, like again, I love is the idea of that like our public works person is way better and more qualified than you. But you, again, taking what they take, again, because you're kind of like the master or the uh, jack of all trades kind of thing, not master of one. Like these are all specialists in what they're good at. It's like the same thing. Like you wouldn't go to like a, you know, some random person to have a surgery done. Like I want, I need brain surgery. I'm going to a brain surgeon. And I, I look at that same thing in our office. I have a couple uh, girls on staff here. They're way better at like. There's a reason I hired them because I'm not good at what the, what they're doing. And I, <laughs> I and I kind of joke and I'm like I I would be a mess if they didn't work here and. Um, and you met uh, both of them when you came in, like they're better at what they need. And I just let them run the show and I'm like, okay, what's going on? We touch base each day. You know, is there anything that I need to do? Okay. Can you check on this? Can you check on that? And then check, well, we want to do this and that. So go ahead. Sounds good. Like roll with it. I trust your judgment, like make the call. And I think that that's a refreshing thing. It's like, cause I don't like to micromanage. I put the people in that I trust, trusting that you will do the job that I'm putting you in because my, my gut or whatever, my my trust factor goes into you, you in turn will do the job that we're putting you in place. And then it takes less stress off of, off of me, less worry off of me. And then you can come to me with much better thought out answers than me trying to micromanage 10 different things. So from a department standpoint, how do you try to take all that and like be the glue that holds everything together? Cause that's really what the mirror is with all these departments. Mm-hmm. You surround yourself with experts and you listen to them. And that's what I plan on doing. Right now, there's so many barriers to effective communication in City Hall that have to go away. And if you allow me to give you an example, if a common council member wants to speak to the fire chief, he or she will compose an email. They will send it to the mayor's assistant who will forward it to the mayor. The mayor will review it, approve or deny it, send it back to the, his assistant, and then the assistant will forward it on to the fire chief. How many barriers did you just have to jump over for that one communication? And then the reverse path will also happen on his response. That's a lot of barriers. And it's time too. Not absolutely. It, and we need in order for us to be effective in running the city business is we have to be effective communicators. I I cannot sit there and look at every communicator goes through, nor do I want to or should I have mm-hmm. to. We have to trust the men and women we put in those positions to lead. That's why they're there. They are experts. Let them lead. Take the barriers away. Now, when it comes to an actual decision or emergency situation or something, the unknown pops up and we need, I need this right now. I have the right to final decision, but that's not every decision. And there's going to be times I rely on their expertise and they're going to have to, there's going to be times where I'm going to go, I really think... I understand what you're saying, but I like this path better. It's just cooperation when it needs, communication all the time, and having a working respect for one another that 
seems to be lacking at this point. Yeah, no, and I, I just, I love that approach because that's, again, how I just, it's kind of how I run this and I run my life and business and it's just like, I don't, it just, it's easy for me to do that because again, it's less thinking on my end, but I can really focus on what I need to focus on because I, I just don't like micromanaging and people don't like that either. Right. Like I don't need, a, they don't need someone looking over their shoulder. Um, what does campaign life look for you, look like right now for you? Obviously you're on here, which is um, crazy. You came running in and I think your first words like, oh, it has been a day, which, you know, I, I would think anybody kind of, we're October. I mean, election is 30, I'm not a mathematician, 33. That's what, okay. I, it was good. It's 30, yeah. So 33 days away. Um, like you're right in the thick of this. You have been, obviously this is not like, this is a process. This has been like a year for you almost. And you say nine months total. Yeah. I started at the very, uh, the end of January. And I announced uh, February 13th, I stood at the podium and I got the endorsement that night from uh, the local party. So how's, how's life been the last nine months? And right now when you're probably running just on fumes, like how's, <laughs> how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> well, this year, as everybody knows, it's been a year like never before. We had so many curveballs thrown at us, uh, COVID being obviously the biggest one. So when I first announced... I really thought I had an idea what a kind of uh, work that needed to be done. And I was so wrong. Um, there's just a lot. And what happened when COVID struck and I was just like everybody else, I was, I had contact with one of the first uh, confirmed cases in Clinton County. Uh, this gentleman was confirmed. Uh, he was very, very ill. So we were told you're on quarantine. No idea what that meant. <clears throat> And then the health department says, okay, now you're on mandatory quarantine. I'm like, okay, great. What does that mean? So I was, had contact with the health department, had contact with my doctor, and I spent uh, two weeks on the bench. And going out to the front porch was as far as I could go. And I'm like, what is going on with this? Never got sick. I've never, never been involved in any of the COVID issues. Great. Went back to work and furloughed for seven weeks. Like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I had all the things. I, I had the whole <laughs> caboodle and it's not even May. You know, I was furloughed. I was quarantined. That was the whole thing. So we as a campaign committee, and I have some incredibly smart, dedicated uh, people working for me. I have a liberal Democrat in her 20s. I have a couple young, I have a 22-year-old. I have a 30-year-old. And I have some people of my age, and we won't discuss how old I am, but I have a, such a diverse group of people with such different life experiences, and they're a godsend, and I really appreciate them very much. We decided we're not going to politic. So the petition process is awful. I'll tell you that straight up, especially in uh, February and March. You have to get petitions to be on the ballot. So like I, I'm going to appear on the Republican line. I'm going to appear on the conservative line. I'm going to appear on the independence line. So I have to seek out members who are registered with that party of our community who live within the boundaries of the city and get them to sign a petition. The signatures, uh, there's a mandatory minimum and that puts you on the ballot. And here I am walking down. I was walking down uh, Johnson Avenue with Jacob Avery because we were doing petitions together. Mm -hmm. And it's sleeting and freezing rain. And I'm walking down in the pitch blackness, trying to crawl over snow banks with no boots on, just dress shoes. And it was miserable. <laughs> so we, we need to change that process up a little bit. <laughs> they suspended the petition process, which was great. Uh, and now we're like, we're not being political. We're not standing on any soapboxes. We're not throwing snowballs at anybody. 
we're just going to be community support. So we did food giveaways. We did uh, Adirondack Unite, which was a, b- a benefit bike ride. We did um, uh, food, coll- like we put stuff on our webpage to collect food for uh, our, our uh, residents up here in North Country, honored our emergency service providers. Um, we just were community support. We did not want to be active politically. It just, it was it was tone deaf. It was just insensitive. People are anxious. They're a furlough. They're, they don't know if they're going to be sick. They'd never seen this before. And we did that for several months. The Democratic Party had a primary, so those guys had to be active. Mm-hmm. I did not. I didn't have a primary. So I could sit back and just support our community, regardless of what that looked like. As we grew closer to the uh, mid-summer, 4th of July, and past it, once things New York State started to loosen up the restrictions, that's when we started becoming more and more active. I think it was June, but we started doing what's called porch parties because we can't do door to door. State went, nope, we're doing it. So we've been doing it for months. We've been doing it probably the end of May, I think was my first one. All COVID conscious, all uh, you know, separated outdoors. And we've had a lot of success with them. It was a great way to meet people and still stay within the, quote, the COVID restrictions. Um, now that the state, I think it was two weeks ago, I got the word that they're now allowing us to do door to door stuff. Okay, so we're going to do as much as we can. But the scheduling is amazing. I have something every single day, some more than one day, multiple things. And there's just so much to do with the administrative work, right down to doing my own thank you cards. And we had a golf tournament. We have, uh, you know, we've been doing some fundraising. We've had meet the candidates. We got a whole bunch of things coming up. We got a debate, another debate coming up. It's a lot. So... Are you, how often do you look at your schedule on your phone? Oh my God, multiple times a day. <laughs> the reason I laugh is I, li- I live by my schedule mm-hmm. and I tell people, I look at my schedule. I'm like, if you said I looked at my schedule every 20 minutes, it doesn't change. It's the same. I just, I'm so forgetful that I'm like, where I gotta be, where I gotta be. I hate missing. I hate being late. I'm always just one. I'm like, okay, I gotta be here. Gotta be here. Gotta be, and I'm very conscious of my schedule. What's your schedule look like now? Like, what's a, what's a day in the life of Scott Beebe? Well, I still work for the federal courts. So when I'm working, like today, um, my schedule doesn't really start to 4 o'clock because I have to, my, my primary profession is my priority. Once that's done, I go. I work every other week. So on my weeks that I'm off, uh, I get up, I do what I got to do in the morning, get ready, and then by 9 o'clock, I'm, in, I'm either on the phone, on my way somewhere, uh, researching and I, I don't do as much research now as I did uh, because I, I just I need to new I need to meet people talk to them I'm either going into businesses I'm having meetings um, could be as an example going to the museum for a tour or going to uh, another interview a media uh, I had a interview with uh, WNBZ a couple days ago it's just a lot and then I've got uh, multiple parties and when I say parties meet the candidate porch yep. events type thing coming up uh, just about every day next week. And we hope to reach several hundred people and you know, those have to be scheduled. They have to be COVID conscious. I have uh, members of my committee coming with me basically to keep me in line and push me forward, keep me focused. Uh, one of my committee members says BB shotgun cause I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit and <laughs> she's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a lot. And as we get closer, the demands get higher. So I find myself leaving one event, heading to another. And it's, it's not the exception. It's the rule right now. It was funny because I, I, I forgot. You were on some uh, webinar was last week. And I don't know what group it was. It was a group of 
It looked like a professor and some of the kids yes. from college. Yes. And I was, you know, I, I have two young kids, so the kids go to bed, and that's when dad catches up on, on work late at night. So I'm sitting there working, and I had it on the screen, and I was doing, you know, whatever I was doing, and something popped up, and I think I was looking at, I think it was, I don't know if it was something about you on, um, might have been your page. And I was just doing some research and looking at some stuff and just seeing the involvement, and I'm like, live? It was like nine o'clock at night, and I clicked on the thing, and and it was like, yeah, we got Scott here, and you're like answering questions. I'm like, this is crazy. And now, now, granted, like I'm I'm one of those energetic people. I love what I do, but I you don't see a lot of that stuff at nine o'clock at night. And I'm and I literally my thought in my head was, this poor guy's been going since eight or nine a.m. You, you and want, then it was nine p.m. You want to hear the best part? The part that nobody knows. <laughs> That's the day in the morning we filmed the debate from Channel Five. Oh yeah, because they they delayed it, putting it out right. Right. That's the day we filmed it. So I started in the morning with the debate, did all my thing, and I ended up on that Zoom uh, meeting with uh, Kurt that evening, and that was a great experience. I, I, I yeah, so I watched enjoyed, about twenty minutes. It was pretty yeah, good. I so enjoyed that. Uh, we had a connection. Um, when I say we, the police department had a connection back with the the college. My God, uh, I it was probably ten, eleven, twelve in that area, thirteen. Um, it was the fire chief, the police department, and the building inspector, and we were connected with the university. We, we had a, an unfortunate fatality. It was, a fa- it was a fire fatality on Court Street. And we all, because I was there, and we all recognized, when I say we, the fire department, the building inspector, police department, we recognized we're not doing enough. So we need, we need to better educate our students because there were some, some code things. There were some things going on that we, we wanted to make sure these kids knew about. So we developed this system, and we went into the university, and that turned into a coalition committee, which I absolutely adored and spent a lot of time with, the partnership and the alcohol and other drugs. These are three committees I sat on for multiple years with the university. They were combined with SUNY Plattsburgh faculty, staff, and students. So it was um, the emergency municipal services, us, the university, and the students coalesced on committees to learn from each other. And the Greek organizations, for an example, like once a month, would have their own meetings at like nine o'clock in a meeting room somewhere. So they're like, Hey, do you mind coming in and talk to us about noise ordinance or garbage or whatever it can be? You know, how do we not get noise tickets? You know, I'm like, sure, I'll show up. So here I am walking in nine o'clock and so I do, 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 do a college kid. Nine o'clock is different than your nine o'clock. Right, it's right. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're 35 minutes from bedtime yeah, people. Yeah. And they're like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a little bit of a culture thing. Uh, it was just a fantastic experience and I made some great relationships and it was such a, I think such a positive. We brought in uh, Rich Cantwell, who was the attorney for the mm-hmm. student association at the time. We talked about uh, illegal leases and uh, the off-campus students didn't realize, hey, you know what, if my heater doesn't work, I have, I have a place I could call to report that. especially my landlord's not helping me yeah and we talk about that we educate them our first forum had almost a hundred students in yokum hall and here we are sitting in a panel and one of the things as you can tell that i love doing is is public speaking so all i had to do is stand up and i'm like let's go and here they are trying to pull me back in because you know i got five minutes and now right yeah Yeah, like come on real man real man but it was just such a a rewarding experience for me and I would love to revisit that. I'd love to reopen those possibilities of the, the campus city collaborating positively to break down the barriers between our residents and our students and work in a positive direction. That's one of the, well, we, we talked about before, like Adirondack Young Professionals. And one of the things that we've, 
thought of, and I, I think going forward is, um, and I've said this before, like I, I like, I'm a goal setter. I like putting goals together and part of, as I've gotten older and gotten a little bit more involved in the community and kind of, again, <clears throat> grown up, matured a little bit and kind of saw how important all these things, you know, in the communities work together is how do we as Adirondack young professionals be that liaison from the college to the the community? And and I think from a young professional standpoint is we have a we can bridge that gap very easily because most of the people in Adirondack young professional were in college a couple of years ago and they know what it was like then. They know the struggles of getting into their first job or and I've talked about it before. I was in a professional setting. I was I was licensed to sell real estate at 20 years old. 20 to 25, I still felt like a kid. And there was, I had a, I had to go through kind of getting the confidence to be able to stand and have a conversation with someone like you or someone like, you know, that was older than me, or maybe held a position that seemed in my eyes high above what I was capable of doing. And I had to go through the the growing pains of, Hey, I don't think I can, you know, I don't think I've earned the right to st- to have conversations or, or have the, you know, and again, I was learning stuff. So I didn't really have the knowledge to do it, but once I got to about 25, I was like, you know what? I, I can hang with these people. And these people are peers. They're not my, you know, they might be my parents' age, but I don't have to call them Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. Like I can call them by their first name and have a, an adult conversation. I'm at a, like, I'm not a college kid anymore. And that was a hard thing for me to understand. And again, I, I'm not that old. I'm, you know, I'm 30, but the last five years, I've really gained a lot of confidence because one, I've gotten better at what I've done, but two, I don't look at any, every, I don't, I'm not looking at people and I'm intimidated by them. And it's not like a 30, 40, 50, 60 year old to me is a peer. Like me and you talking, there's a little bit of an age gap, not much. We won't give the age away, but it's the idea that, you know, I can talk to you and I feel like I can talk to you and I can talk to my friend that's 25 years old and we can have the same conversation and I feel like I'm the same person. I don't act any different, but I, I had a struggle. So how do we at Adirondack Young Professionals, like, bridge that gap. And one of my goals is to really establish something, whether that be with the city or with, you know, to get those kids away from just the college campus and maybe the path downtown and back to the college campus to get involved and realize that the city and the area, we need you as much as, you know, we need your experiences. We need your diversity. We need your backgrounds and thoughts and everything else. Like how, what's your hope for the college, whether it be Plattsburgh or you know, Clinton obviously is, I mean, outside the city lines, but it still has a lot of, you know, it ties in a lot with the city. What is your hope for the college and the city and how can we bridge that gap? Because the amount of people, that's our biggest influx of, of people outside the area every year is the college. Like, how do we get those kids to want to either stay or, you know, I, I always talk about, you know, reinvesting in our community and not, you know, you went to college. Great. And again, Three questions I always ask when we've had college interns is, do you like Plattsburgh? To answer is typically yes. And number two is, would you live in Plattsburgh? And typically their answer is, yeah, if I could find a job. And then number three is, what is your plans after college? And they all answer the same thing. Well, I think I'm going to go back to, and I say fill in the blank, meaning hometown. And I always look, I'm like, why would you go back to Long Island or Rochester or Albany if and most of it is, well, there's nothing for me to do here after graduation. And it makes me want to like slam my head against the wall because like, there's so much to do, but it's not communicated enough to those kids. That's one of our, I think, nearsighted goals that we want to start doing. But you coming into the position, obviously, of the city, what's that look like? What's, what's that communication and, and bond or gap? How can we like bridge that a little better? Well, the great segue because the university brings 
such a lovely population to us that we would not have generally been exposed to if we stayed in Plattsburgh. And one of the things I've been doing uh, pretty much in earnest for the last several months is learning more about uh, people of color, their uh, backgrounds, how we can make them more feel inclusive, how we can make them feel welcoming. And, and I'm, I'm really starting to get uh, a sense of there's more to do, and I'm starting to make connections with people who are helping me do it. Also, there's such an under-tapped resource when it comes to the university. We just kind of glaze over, and we're not seeing the forest for the trees, if you allow the, that analogy. And this is what I mean by that. I want to redevelop our recreation system, just completely start from scratch and redevelop what we have, because right now we have nothing. And we need a, a private partner, or excuse me, a private public partnership to get the ball rolling. But I would really love to formulate a partnership with the university, much like the nursing program. Bring these students into, let's say, our recreation department. Give them a work-study opportunity. Allow them to earn college credits by working with the youth in our community, developing programs, having a self-sustained mechanism like a board. You know, it's like the library board. We put money into the library board, the board runs the library. Why can't we do the same thing right with uh, recreation? Have a board, pay money into it. The board decides where the money goes, how we develop the programs, the programs they're sponsoring, where we need to go, how we need to get there, and bring the students in to help augment our workforce, help augment our experience, and they get the benefit of college credits and work study. It's a win-win. Why aren't we using our master's program or postgraduate programs at the university to help us as think tanks, proposing problems to these men and women and help them you know, guide us. Say, hey, listen, you're part of Whoville. Whoville's got a sanitation problem. Fix it as a term paper and work with the programs that are on campus and let these students come up with innovative and ideas off the page that we would have never thought of because we don't have their life experience. How about we, we get their athletic teams or their social clubs to adopt parks? to adopt neighborhoods. I'm part of the downtown cleanup initiative on Sunday mornings. What a great experience. We're going downtown nine o'clock on a Sunday, and we go down there and we're cleaning up. We're we're on our hands and knees, pulling weeds, and we're making a difference. And it's not because I'm running for office. It's the right thing to do. And the first time I did it, I'm like, well, I'm not really sure what this is going to do. And now that I see the results of our efforts and the people who are involved are so dedicated, it motivates me. Well, let's get these people, the college group, you know, nine o'clock on Sunday morning, I understand. It's a <laughs> might be bit. one o'clock. It might, yeah. might, might, might yeah. be a little bit later. Uh, but why not? We have so many parks in the city. Why can't we hook up with the athletic teams? It's like, okay, you're the hockey team. You have West End Park and you have uh, Penfield Park. Go for it. Clean it up once a month. You know, why don't we get together and help with a list of uh, seniors in the area and just have a, you know, can we do your garbage? Can, you know, adopt neighborhoods, work cohesively with a workforce that is so undertapped. And the students that I've had connections with over the years, they're not what people believe they to be. There, there are those who overindulge. We all understand we all went to college. It happens. But at two o'clock in the afternoon, they're really good kids. They're, they want to do the right thing. They want to have an education. They want to be part of the community. Well, let's tap into that. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I just think there's there's so like you said, there's there's such a it's like a they're so ripe for just like doing so good in the community. And it's just I just don't there just never seems like there's a good I think within the college there is, but bringing that to the community is important. Um, the one thing I like what you said was, oh, yeah, it, okay. I, I, I really, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this and please forgive me for it. No, go, go ahead. But yeah. it's, it's, it's important to me. It's important for, and I'll, I'll explain the reason to you. Um, I've had connections with the men's hockey team for many, many years. Um, they have a gentleman, uh, Matty Thompson, who has Downs, mm-hmm. Down Syndrome. Yep. Ma- he's um, a manager, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, First of all, the, the Thompson family, oh my God, these people are amazing. And Doc Thompson and Maddie and the whole family, they're, they're awesome. And uh, I just, the trend, the, 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 door, the doors they kicked open in dealing with Maddie and allowing him to be part of something bigger than him and how they coveted him and, and brought him into the situation was truly amazing. My nephew has Downs and they've done the same thing for him. They've brought him in. They've allowed him to be part of the college community. They've allowed him to be part of the soccer team and the athletic department. Who's your nephew? Brett Rotz. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. I was actually going to mention him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's Actually, did you see his Instagram videos over quarantine? <laughs> yes. They were good. Yes, I did. They were good. I didn't know if he made fun of you, but he was, <laughs> he was, a, he was, he was good. <laughs> uh, I, I made the wrestling team, so I'm okay. There you I, go. <laughs> I was good. Um, he really took a lot of pride oh, he, in it was us, good. and he did a great job. Uh, and you know, he's got as heart is as big as his body, but those two gentlemen are having experience because of the quality of people involved in those programs, allowing them to have experience. And we need to expand on that. Well, I think that too. And then I, again, kind of knowing, I don't know those, both those boys that well. Um, but the, I seeing the teams and again, I know the the soccer team and stuff and Mm -hmm. I know, you know, Chris Taylor runs the soccer team and you know, the amount of pride those kids have in those guys on the team, like, like it's kind of one where you think they're going and you're like doing a favor, but at the end of the day, those guys are like, you know what? We need those guys here. And it's, and they get so much, uh, and it's cool to see because again, I was, you know, a 19, 20, 21 year old kid in college and part of a team, not, 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 um, not in college, but you know, I played team sports growing up and like the bond that you get at that age. And again, you're, you're a college kid, but like a lot of that stuff, you know, from the team aspect and just kind of like the family atmosphere and, and again, working for the betterment of a group of people, not just yourself, you know, far exceeds anything. Again, like I, I hate, like, I think the idea of a team and like working together to, for a common goal is so much more rewarding than doing something selfishly. I say selfishly, but uh, you know, individually, you can have individual goals, but what I liked what you talked about was how do we put... How do we bring the community in? How do we bring the kids from college in? And how do we make where we're more involved? So it's not, we talked about like putting people in place and having committees that you are going to, into the rec department, you guys are going to fix the rec department, but getting more people involved, because I think the smart thing, like you had mentioned, if we get more people involved where they have a hand in the betterment of the community. People take more pride in the community, whether it's the cleanup crew on Sunday mornings or someone like, hey, we're going to fix the crate center. We're going to fix, you know, maybe it's just cleaning up the ball fields and stuff down at, you know, Penfield Park or just by having those, I think by getting more people involved and having a little bit more, you know, they get more pride in it. And I think if we get more pride, then people really are going to come and say, hey, this is our city. You know, I want to make sure the city looks clean. Maybe I'm not on the cleaning crew, but I, you know, I, I'm cleaning up the park over here with the college team. But maybe if the kids are downtown and they see some garbage on the side of the road and it's a small gesture, pick it up and throw it in the garbage. I think you would see some more of that stuff, which might seem small, but again, everybody doing these small little actions eventually, which I said before, rising tide raises all ships. Like 
you just keep rising the good in the community and we're all going to be better for it. it. Great, great segue. Sunday morning, we had a gentleman with us. He's a good, close, personal friend of mine. And he's been here a few times. And when I say here at Sunday morning cleanup, and he was telling us a story. He says, you know, there was a, a mayor in Utica back in the day. And Utica had incredible financial problems. And they were pretty much broke. And he stood up and he gave kind of like a little speech. And he, he says, you know what? This is our town. This is Utica. And we might be broke, but we don't have to be dirty. And he led a community movement to do exactly what we're doing right now. And people rallied because they loved where they lived and they knew it was something that they had to do. And I love that concept. And I think, I'm, I footnote to the person who said that, but that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to get our community to buy into what's best for us, and that is us. Why not? The, if you could see how we started on Sunday morning, and Syl, uh, God bless her, she's the, she's the drum beater. She's awesome. She's got this thing working. Uh, she tells us where to go. And we had more people Sunday than when we've had any other session up to this point. And I thought that was fantastic. And, and she's doing a great job of, or, of organizing us and, and focusing us. So we come in and we look and there's cigarette butts and trays and, and garbage and weeds growing between. And then at the end, we take pictures. And after two hours, you go, wow, look what we did. And we had fun doing it. And we have a sense of pride in our community. Let's expand on that. Let's, let's bring it to different areas. Let's clean up the parks. Like you said, we have such an opportunity to grow as a community by working together for a common goal. We don't. We want people to come see us. Well, we need them to see us at our best, not at our worst. Yeah, and that's that's why I'm such a big believer in Plattsburgh in the sense that, like, the kids that the college and people that go away and come back, it's like you can take, you can learn here or you can go move somewhere else. But it's like I, my, one of my things I want to do is just how can I take all the knowledge and experience and effort and and time and all that that I gain or will put in through my life back into the community versus going somewhere else. Not that the other places are bad, but it's like, this is where I grew up. My family's here. I want to raise my kids here. I love, I love the area. I got a lot of friends here. You know, I have, you know, my townies back in Chasey that I love, you know, that I don't see as much as I would love to, but it's, it's the idea that like, how can we all make this place better by using the resources that we gain? I mean, the, the North country people are great, you know, and, and I think we take it for granted because we, a lot of people grew up here but you, how many people do you see move away and then come back? Cause they're like, you know what? I want to raise my family here. I've, I've seen other options. I want to mm-hmm. come back here. And I think that's really cool and it's very telling. But, um, I mean, my, again, we talked about goals. Like when I start writing goals, like I have like one and three and five year goals, but I have 20 and 30 year goals. I write down, you know, I've been doing it for probably five years now. Like I have, and the thing is like, I look at those goals as, and I tell the people in our, our office, like do your goals, but think big, like think your 20 and 30 year goals should be big. Like not, not just like, Hey, I want to do something. And I'm like, you can do that in five years. You can do that in 10 years. Like 20 to 30 years is like this. I call it the snowball effect is your actions. Now are going to compoundly get bigger because they're building off the success you've had years prior. It's not like, it's not like you're hitting the reset button every year. You know, what I'm doing today is should be like paving the way for bigger things in the future. 20, 30 years. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but like some of the goals I have for, the area over time will happen. And I think by enough people doing the right thing and you know, you going in, if you're in for four or eight years, like you put in all the effort you can for those, that time frame. And I'm sure when you, 
get out. I mean, if you're, if you're like me or a lot of people, like retirement's just kind of like an, a term, like you're probably not going to retire. You know, you got to keep busy. And <laughs> I think like just sitting around is like the worst thing I could do. Cause I'm a scatterbrain. But one of the things that I, this is the first time we met and the first time that I ever heard of you and which was at some point you, um, you know, you decided to run, you went on social media and the first post that I saw of you had hashtag local matters. And I don't know if you, you follow anything that I do or anything that we've, we've done about two years ago, we kind of used that as like, that's going to be our slogan for our company. But the whole plan was, I don't want that to be a Kavanaugh realty slogan. I want that to be a community slogan about like, Hey, like we'll, we'll put on all our stuff, but I want people to take it, like take it and put it on. So a lot of my friends have used hashtag local matters and a lot of their, you know, and I start seeing it and I start like, I'm like, this is cool. Cause we never posted this until two years ago. And I don't know if you know, uh, Aaron Benner at all from BBJG and he's, you want to talk about squirrel, but in the nicest way possible, he's great. Uh, but we came up with that and we're like, well, this is going to grow. And I've seen people use it. And I don't know if this is just something you said, but I saw it and I'm like, this, that was the first time that I saw someone that I didn't know use it. I was so pumped, which, and again, you probably maybe didn't see it from us, but what does local matters mean to you? It, well, it, multiple things. First of all, we all have value from being here. And I was asked the question, you know, why, why is, why, are, why, what's home? And I said, well, home is here. And they're like, well, why? And I'll tell you why. And I was excited to answer the question, but it's, it's actually the definition has grown over COVID. And I've discovered so many things in the last six months local butcher shops where now we're buying meat locally. we go to the dairy, uh, the creamery down on Mace chasm. Now we're buying dairy locally. We go to the farmer's market. We want to support our men and women here instead of sending that, that money elsewhere. I have a much more broad and intense perception of the people in our community matter the most and we need to support each other, especially now when COVID is really kind of crushed us poor Norma, we did all we could to help support her, but she, she just couldn't do it. You know, the ground round went away. Pizza Uno went away. It, we can't afford to lose these people. So we have to support them. How do we do that? We support local and we give them our business. You know what? So it costs a little bit more, but the product is so much better and you're perpetuating our neighbor. You're helping the person next to you. And that's what matters. It's, it, it's the support that we expect and the support that we give and it all ties together because of where we are. Yeah. I mean, just you're circulating the, the money locally yeah. and, and, um, and, and support. I mean, it's more than just the cash. It's yeah. emotional support. It's friendship. It's guidance. It's everything. Well, I think like that's, that's the thing when I, and I think a lot of people have this locally. Like when I go buy something from someone that I know is a local entity, I get way more pride and more excitement to buy something from them and like blast it on social media to support them or whatever it is mm -hmm. to get the word out. And I'm, you know, one of the things is, you know, I'm very active on social media, but it's the idea of cross promoting each other. The amount of times that I've cross promoting my friends and their ventures, like it might be my buddy in his, his uh, Rondack furniture and he makes Adirondack chairs and they're awesome. Or a girl I know that's starting up a new wedding venue. It's like, how do we, how can we promote each other and better each other and promote and whatever it has to be, whether it's, you know, like you said, emotional support, whether it's just like, Hey, keep doing what you're doing, or just a, even just like a quick text message saying, Hey, awesome stuff on that. Or that, that was cool. Like I get like when my friends, like say something to me, like, Hey, that was really good. I liked what you did or keep doing what you're doing. Like you get like, okay, thank you. Like you get a little boost, you know, a little, you know, pep in the step. And I think, um, by 
we have a great community, but as, as with anything, we can always get better. And I think, um, I'm, I'm very excited again for October for November. I should say October. We're in October now, but very excited for November times are flying. It's a weird year. It's a weird year, but, um, I'm very excited for, you know, obviously the election and stuff, but like January, I'm not one to wish time away. Like I'm not one to like, I'm going to like crush the next two months of, uh, or three months of 2020 just cause I like taking every day and I don't like having a full reset. But I think for a lot of people, people are going to look at that, you know, January 1st, 2021 as a huge reset, probably bigger than we've ever had in our life. Cause 2020 has just been such a trying year for so many people. Um, I think for a couple questions I want, like, what is your, whether it be four years, whether it be eight years, you know, if you win in November and you have that time, what is your hope? Because again, Rome wasn't built in the day, you know, you're not going to go move mountains in four to eight, eight years, but what is your hope from, Hey, day one, I take office to when I leave office and whether that be four or eight years, and I'm going to say eight, because obviously the idea is that you're, you're prepping for eight years. What is your goal in those eight years? What is, how do you hope Plattsburgh is different or yeah, basically how is Plattsburgh going to be different between January 1st to whenever you leave office? The goal is to make it better than we found it. The, the vision I have in my mind, uh, long-term planning, the city of Plattsburgh has a long-term plan, one, five, and 10-year plan. We need to put them back on the table and reevaluate because there was no way anybody could have predicted what we're living through today. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about the plan. Well, the plan could just, how do you predict a global pandemic? How do you predict an unprecedented budget issue? How do you predict um, the curveballs that are being thrown? So you have to reevaluate your plan. I would love to see us in one year start private-public collaborations. And if it, if it takes me a year just to get a community calendar on a city's website, so JCEO and United Way and the Senior Center and the YMCA and everybody has buy-in, just a little support from our, our local services and they could put their stuff on a website and everybody has access to it more than they have today. And if I could, it takes me a year to do that, that's a win. And we have to continue to press forward. I would love to see waterfront development. I know there's discussion of a, p- a potential hotel right here. Great, but it has to be development that is beneficial to our community. We have to have buy-in from our community to make sure that this is one of the direction we want to go in. I want people to come to Plattsburgh with the expectation of, oh my God, this is Plattsburgh. Too many times you hear, hey, where are you from? Plattsburgh. Oh, Plattsburgh. No, we need to change that. Where are you from? Plattsburgh. Oh, Plattsburgh. We need people to understand what we have. Salem, Massachusetts. Ever been there? I haven't, no. It's it, Go on Halloween time. I was going to say, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty awesome. It's one of our favorite spots. Um, they have a simple thing, like a self-guided tour with yellow footprints. So you could go around and just follow the yellow pr- footprints and get a little map, and you can do your self-guided tour. It's a great little mechanism. The house is seven gables, the, you know, where the witch trials were, that type of stuff. Why can't we do that here? Why can't we do a mechanism like that? In Boston, you have a line. You follow the line for the historical trail. We have enough history and enough involvement here. We can do that. We just need to be better. We need to think outside the box. I would love to see a recreation program that draws people here. I'd love to see, I mean, think about this for a minute. In youth hockey, for an example, 
they have the Can-Am tournaments in, in uh, Lake Placid. Teams come from everywhere. Why can't we do it here? Why, you know, we have an indoor soccer program right now that it needs some TLC because the Create Center needs some TLC. But imagine if we could draw, you know, 300 teams a weekend. There's a Metroplex down in Schenectady in Troy where there's three indoor fields, a half a field. They have a snack bar and a pro shop and a restaurant. And you could stand on one and you could turn and watch your kid on the other so you can watch at the same time. My niece used to play. And they'd go down there and be 300 teams for a four-day tournament. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how much money does that bring in in four days? Mm-hmm. You know, imagine, let's, let's just easy numbers. 300 teams, $500 a team. That's not including your lodging, your gas, your food, uh, odd number of supplies for three or four days. For mom, dad, and brother and sister. Correct. Yeah. I mean, look at where we're seated. Youth hockey alone. We're 45 minutes from Vermont. We have Burlington, South Burlington, Essex Junction, Colchester. All those, their own uh, youth hockey programs. Montreal. Look at all the youth hockey around just north of our border, all within 45 minutes of us. Hmm. You know, they can bring teams up. We could have 100, 200 teams here if we had the mechanisms to accommodate them. How about a winter fest? How about growing in areas that allows us to prosper? Instead of, oh, we can't do that. Oh, you know, we don't want to spend money there. Why not? Why aren't we looking at building better than we have today? This is the perfect opportunity. COVID has changed the rules. So if we're going to rebuild, why don't we rebuild better? Why would we go back to what the status quo is when we have an opportunity to do things differently, bigger, and better? And we have to go down that path. Our bike trail, our Saranac Lake, or excuse me, our Saranac River Trail, our bike mechanism, why don't we have plans we can look at going all the way up to Kent Falls? Why do we have to stop in a city? Stowe, Vermont has a five-mile trail. Excuse me. They have a, a five-mile river bike trail. It's gorgeous. Been on it. Awesome. They have rail trails over there where they don't use their railroad tracks anymore, so mm-hmm. they pull them up and they have mountain bike trails. So it goes from like St. Albans to Richford. I've been on that, on that one. And we traveled there, spent the night specifically to, to ride the bike trails. Yeah. Why not? Why, we just... Plattsburgh has been described as we're too big to be small and too small to be big. Well, you know what? It's time to put Plattsburgh first and start thinking about building us into a region, not a city, not a town, but a region people want to come and enjoy. And once they start coming and we show them what we have to offer, they're going to keep coming back. Well, the people that come here too love it. Correct. Like it's just a matter, like you said, I think was talking to the people at Norma J's, like, why, why did you come up and like, people don't know about you, but like the ones that do love it up here. And right. that's, I think that's huge. Just expanding that reach. Cause again, the, the, the revenue aspect, um, I mean, I'm all, you know, you, you either cut or you raise money and like, you can't, you can't cut to the point where you have nothing. And it's like, people right. are paying again. If you have nothing that's makes you prouder when you say, uh, you're from Plattsburgh, you want to have the people saying I'm from Plattsburgh, have a little excitement in their voice and not say, I'm, I'm from Plattsburgh. And, you know, and I think some people have that negative connotation here, which again, I said it before, it's like, I would just want to like, like slam my head against the wall. Cause I'm like, no, 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 there's a lot here. Be like, be, take a lot of pride in where you live. Um, and it will happen. Like I said, I think it's just enough people that are, you know, writing that, you know, you know, running with the baton kind of thing right. and just moving into the future. Plattsburgh needs to develop a sense of itself. We need, when you go to Saratoga, and you enter the village of Saratoga. Do you know you're in Saratoga? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's Saratoga. We need to develop our own sense of ourselves, our own uh, je ne sais quoi. It is a certain flair that is distinctive 
Plattsburgh. We are not Burlington. I don't want to be Burlington. I want to be Plattsburgh. So we need a cultural infrastructure development kind of philosophy. We need to take our business district and expand on it. How do we do that? Every single business owner down there needs to have a seat at the table and tell me what's good best for them. So what have you, because I, I, I'm following, obviously, on social media, I see that you're meeting a lot of different business owners yes. locally. Like, what is the consensus from a lot of them? They feel unheard. They feel like they're ignored. They feel like that they have nothing going for them because nobody wants to listen. Um, they think that there's an opportunity for us to do better, but they don't know how to get there. They feel like, you know, we've been here 30, 35, 40 years, but yet nobody's ever come to talk to us. I had one business and building owner. He's owned a building for 35 years and he's a third year businessman and he's a friend. And he, I, I walked into his room, he, come on in, come on in. And we shook hands and this was pre COVID. So I actually got a chance to hug him mm -hmm. and I, and I miss shaking hands and, and hugging my friends and uh, hopefully we'll get back to that at some point. But uh, he's like, Hey, how you doing? I was like, Oh, I want to talk to you. I want to get your opinion. I want to know what you're seeing down here. And he looked at me, he goes, I've been down here 35 years. Do you know how many mayors actually came and talked to me? I'm like, no. He goes, one. I go, come on. He goes, I'm telling you, only one mayor has ever sought me out and asked my opinion. And I said, that's unconscionable. I said, every mayor should be down here asking your opinion. He goes, nope, only one in 35 years. Yeah. That needs to change. That, 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 that actually kind of blows my mind that yeah. there's not... Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, supporting because it's like the, the small businesses are the lifeblood of the community. A hundred percent right. These men and women have their heart, blood, soul, everything invested in what they're doing. And they're helping us, us being the community, by doing what they're doing. And they can't even get a phone call returned to them. They can't get an email sent back to them. They can't walk into their convenience store and you know, buy a coffee and have a five-minute chat. The best part of this job, for me, as you can tell, I kind of like to talk, the best part about me is meeting such incredibly impressive, knowledgeable people in our community. We have some smart men and women here. We have some people who are so impressive that come with so much knowledge from outside the area who've settled here. It's, it's not only humbling, but it's inspiring. And that's been the best part of this campaign. It's, it's not the knocking on the doors. It's not the porch parties. It's not the being the center of attention. That's a necessary part of it. But the most enjoyable part for me is learning from impressive people. And boy, do we have a lot of them here. And I want to use that resource. I want to bring back the restaurant group. I want to have the downtown restaurant tours come in and sit down as a group and tell me what they're seeing, good or bad, and how we can help. I want the business association. Now, it used to be the downtown business association. They used to have representations and sit with City Hall. I want to expand that. I want to take it outside the box. I want... Um, you know, Ernie Galarza from De La Honda, Eric Eagle Feather as a veterinarian, David Boyce as a karate um, studio master, you know, Peter Kay, who's at Lekka's as, as representing, you know, the, the hospitality industry, a member from the Strand, um, somebody from the landlord group, because there's hundreds of people living downtown. We need to hear from everybody to get a, a well-rounded, informed opinion of what's going on. And at that point, we can make plans to correct or enhance. But in order to do that, you need the information. And I really would love the opportunity to set those, uh, those wheels in motion because these people are so impressive. You speak to somebody who's passionate about you, for an example, real estate. You know real estate, you know about it, you're an expert in it. 
I don't know that. And you come in with that point of view and you sit in a group of people who have the same passion in different areas and different topics of expertise. That's a pretty cool conversation to have. And to get there and to come up with valid concepts that we can employ tomorrow, next year, two years from now, but it's going to get done. And then all of a sudden you could see it take form and everybody benefits from it. How cool would that be? Yeah, I love it. That's I, <laughs> it would be I, awesome. I just think like the meeting of the minds kind of thing is a huge bit. Like you said, you, one person's not going to do it. You need to, that's why I sit down and have meetings with, you know, I don't want to have meetings just myself. I'm like, hey, we're going to, a couple times, we're going to sit together. Yes. We're going to chit chat. We're going to think of stuff. We're going to brainstorm ideas, bouncing stuff back and forth from people just make you better. It gets the best out of people. Um, so last question I have, because, you know, I want to respect your time and biggest things. How's the golf game right now? Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to. So here's the deal. <laughs> I, I'm a golf. Nobody's listening. So you're good. I, I'm a golf <laughs> fan. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. It'd be like Bob Uecker. Ah, there I was saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a pretty much a golf fanatic and to not play, I've only played 10 or 15 times this, this year because of this campaign. Um, but normally I'm a 40, 45 round, uh, a year guy. And we do a, a Myrtle beach trip every year. Matter of fact, oh, this nice. time of year. Yeah. And we'd go down to legends plantation. We've been doing it for years. And some of those, uh, and they're all men. I can't say men and women because it's only the guys going on a golf trip. Yep. But some of those men are the closest friends I have in the world. And I love traveling with them. I love hanging with them. And, um, it's just, it's just amazing. And I will tell you that you think you have a golf game until you spend a week in Myrtle beach at golf courses that have 40 to 50 yard greens and they're very fast. And yeah, that, that'll test you pretty quick. Um, but, uh, I do have a single digit handicap here. Nice. Good. Um, I had my second hole in one this year. Um, nice. It was uh, second hole in one too. That's great. Yeah. My first one was actually in uh, Maryland with the, with the group I just mentioned. Uh, which was kind of cool. Me and my best friend uh, on the golf trip, we were playing two other good close personal friends. There might have been some ribbing maybe. Yeah, natural, so natural. Yeah, we were playing a par three and we both hit it and you couldn't see the bottom of the pin because it was downhill. And we get up there and there's one ball about a foot away from the hole and we didn't see another one. So mine was actually in the jar and my partner was a <laughs> foot away. So we had a grand total of three on the hole uh, and we... Well, of course, went bananas. I, I had a 13 on the next hole, but we won't have to talk about it. No, no, it's, it's all about balance. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I couldn't calm down. I was bouncing around. And, uh, but it's just a wonderful experience. Um, next year, hopefully, we'll be have a little bit more time to, to experiment with the golf game. But um, it's something I truly enjoy. It's something that I, I, re, I like to think of as mental health because you get out and it's between four and five hours of concentrating on something other than what's life going on. And I just, I love being outdoors. I love being with my friends. It's, uh, oh, the older you get, the mechanism of competition kind of goes down. Uh, golf and pickleball are my passions right now. The, uh, well, my, my dad's a big, I won't, I won't get too much on the pickleball because my dad, Joey, uh, Trombley is my dad, but he plays a lot of pickleball. He's your father. He's my father. Plays a lot of pickleball. I am so sorry. I, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the, uh, more people should say that to me because, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into pickleball. That's, that's, that's his thing. And I, I played it before. It's fun. It's a fun thing, but I don't play it that often. But, um, golf this morning, I went out with two guys at like, literally we were at the course at like six twenty six thirty, waiting for the sun, sun to come, come up. up yeah. And, uh, same thing. It's the mental health aspect. We go out. Did I shoot well? A couple holes like anybody else. Like I, I think I went... <laughs> 
typically par par bogey. And I'm like, I'm doing pretty good. That's all right. Yeah. Triple back to bogey golf. I'm like, there we go. I said that the golf gods just are like, nah, nah, you're, you're, yeah. you're not getting better yeah, than yeah. this. So smart enough, uh, son. You're not, you're not that good. Yeah. Yet. So, you know, it, it, it's fun. But again, I think part of it is, you know, we're, we're ribbing each other just out there and having a good time early in the morning. And it, again, it's the, it's the, the fun, it's the atmosphere. We we're all uh, young professionals. And our thought is, Hey, we're kind of getting to the point where we might be able to do golf trips, you know, like, so that's kind of something we're looking forward to as a, a group of friends going, um, as we get older is doing those golf, uh, you know, weekends or long weekends where you travel and go play some cool courses. So, um, but Scott, I appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun. And, uh, again, I, I wish you the best over the next 33 days and, uh, try to get some sleep. I don't know if you drink coffee, but I'm sure by the gallon. Okay. You're just like me. Yeah. Um, so I, like I said, I, I, uh, I have a lot of big hopes for the future. And like I said, I, I hope, you know, if you are to win, like I said, that you can make your vision a reality. And, uh, you know, I think Plattsburgh um, is ready for a reset. And I think it's, like I said, I'm going to be very happy, you know, January 1st, 2021, when maybe Plattsburgh or hopefully gets recorrected and gets back on track. So uh, if you want anything else you want to say before we sign off? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. This was my, uh, my first podcast and it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, one thing I'd, I'd really like to leave uh, leave you on with a thought process is um, I've been serving this community my entire life. There's no question that uh, my 30 plus years of service, be at the fire department, being in the youth athletics, being in a police department, uh, currently as a court security officer protecting our federal courts, uh, I can say with conviction that nobody loves this community more than me in this race. And I have a passion to make sure that we succeed and i just want to make the best possible plattsburgh i can make and i i hope that came through i hope people can see that i'm attached to this place i love it um my entire adult existence has been to better and protect it and i really hope i get a chance to continue that because it deserves the attention that we can give it and plattsburgh is that place it's home and it deserves everything we can do for it so if people want to look at anything else that they can find on you, website, yes. social media, anything like that? <laughs> I am now a social media expert, which I wasn't <laughs> in January. Uh, Facebook is uh, Scott Beebe for Mayor, and I do have uh, a website. It's teambb2020.com. Please feel free. We're constantly upgrading it. So if you look at it this week, it may be different next week. Like, uh, for example, this podcast, if it's released, we'll probably put it out there. Uh, we are trying to keep up but right now we're doing so much that we're a little behind but please feel free to reach out uh, we try to answer all inquiries within a timely manner sometimes we're overwhelmed but please feel free ask questions ask for signs uh, check us out on social media facebook instagram i have a twitter account i don't keep up as well as i should but i do have those mechanisms out there and uh, election again is November third. Early voting is October twenty fourth. There you go. And, and the poll absentees go out or have gone out. What's the poll? Six a.m. to nine a.m. or seven p.m. I think it's I think it's six to nine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 long, but we also have volunteers. If you're local and you need transportation, we're going to have mechanisms and information out on our social media that'll help uh, help you contact us, and we can bring you to the polls. And uh, we'll be available to help, you know, seniors or infirmed if, if that's something that they would like. Awesome. Well, Scott, I appreciate it very much. Like I said, try to get some sleep and uh, coffee when you're up. And uh, like I said, best of luck over the next 33 days. And um, that is it. Episode 94 of the Galen Trombley Show.
Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.